Locked On Dolphins, hosted by Travis Wingfield. Your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. I'm in town to play the Dolphins, you dumbass. What's up, Dolphins? And welcome into the Friday, December the 14th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, it's Friday, which means we're free-flowing on a few bullet points. Some of those are Mike Gesicki's struggles, the Vikings' revised plan for Sunday, and Miami's evolving defense from the past week. Plus, we'll get you caught up on all the latest injury news, amend the playoff chase segment from yesterday's show, and answer a whole bunch of questions from the Twitter mailbag. But first, before any of that, I kindly invite each and every one of you to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at WinkfulNFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFins. You can find my other work at PalmBeachPost.com, 3rd10.com, and a variety of other fan sites on the internet. Of course, LockedOnDolphins.com is my home. We have tons of content for you guys up there this week, and you guys have been reading it like crazy, so I really appreciate all that love. And last but not least, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts, like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast. For all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams, we have another extensive injury report to get to. Let's go ahead and bring on the Mad Dog. All right, Miami! And for the Miami Dolphins, much of the same. Tons of guys on the injured list, plenty of guys limited, and a couple that did not practice. One of those guys was Frank Gore, but as you know by now, on Thursday, he gets the day off. Xavier Howard did not practice, though, and it sounds like he might not be ready to go for this crucial game on Sunday. Limited participants on Thursday's practice are Ryan Tannehill, Larry Metunzel, Kenyon Drake, Devontae Parker, Danny Amendola, and TJ McDonald. Travis Swanson, however, was a full go. Sounds like he'll be good to go. I'm sure all those guys will play. Maybe not Amendola, but everybody else will be good to go. As far as the Minnesota Vikings go, they have two guys that were limited. Mike Remmers, the right guard, and defensive tackle Sheldon Richardson. While three key players were full participants and will play on Sunday, Brian O'Neill, the right tackle, Trey Waynes, the cornerback who missed last week, and Adam Thielen, their star receiver. So Dolphins, again, banged up more than the opposition, but what else is new? Let's go ahead and get into the episode. That's another Miami Dolphins. And as most of you guys know by now, Friday shows, I've already gone over all the stuff you need to know for the game on Sunday, and we've gone over all the stuff from the previous game on Sunday, so it's more of a free-flowing type of podcast here, and I have several bullet points I want to bring up to you guys, and the first one is a last and final note on the Minnesota Vikings and something we can expect to see come Sunday, and then we'll talk about a compliment to that with how the Dolphins played defense last Sunday against the Patriots, but it's the fact that Mike Zimmer, and I didn't know about this, he actually blocked the New York Giants from hiring their current play caller and offensive coordinator Kevin Stefanski because he wanted... I suppose Mike Zimmer wanted Stefanski to be the coordinator in the first place, and maybe John Filippo was kind of forced upon the Vikings. And so with that, you know that Zimmer wants to run the football. They want to be a defensive and grind it out type of team. And I think that's why Stefanski was promoted and Filippo was fired for the Vikings to kind of have this resurgence at the end of the year to try to find a way to rescue their season. And the reason I think that bodes well for the Dolphins and plays right into their hand is that on Sunday, they started operating out of some more 5-2 alignments, which basically is the 3 four, the alignment that I think they could switch to next year, and a big part of that is Ziggy Hood and Sylvester Williams coming off the street and playing good football, 
But I think that really changed the way this defense defended the run, particularly the linebacker position with Rayquan McMillan and Kiko Alonso coming downhill, no false steps, shooting their gaps, and really just banging guys between the B gaps. They looked fantastic in that role. And if the Vikings want to run the ball over and over and over again against that porous Vikings or into that porous Vikings offensive line on the interior we talked about, well, then go ahead and do it because this Dolphins defense is equipped to stop the run. And if they do that and put Kirk Cousins in the third and long, you're going to get some takeaways. You're going to stop them from scoring points. Like I said on yesterday's podcast, the one key, though, is the ability to stop Thielen and Diggs without Xavier and Howard. That'll be a challenge. But I think if the Vikings really want to commit to the ground game, this might not be the time to do it. And I think the Dolphins could potentially continue to roll on with that 5-2 look, that 3-4 alignment, and play better defense in that way. And it also helped them in the coverage aspect of things too. So this was something they didn't open the game with on Sunday. They were back in their original 4-3 look with the four down linemen, the even front, and the Patriots ran the ball pretty good on that first drive. Then they switched it over, and from there, the Patriots got nothing on the ground. So things trending up in that direction. Matt Burke making an in-game adjustment. Maybe there's some reason for optimism there on the defensive side of the football. Now for some negativity on the offensive side of the football, Mike Kosicki was a guy that I pointed out on Twitter yesterday morning and had some backlash from some other guys on Twitter. But just talking about Mike Kosicki's game in general and how easily he's thrown off of his route, thrown off the pass protection game, thrown off as a run blocker, pretty much any contact Mike Kosicki absorbs throws him off of what his particular role on that particular play is. And that's something that I think he's going to have to get fixed over the course of the offseason. You look at a wheel route that Ryan Tannehill missed, and we'll talk about that more here in a second, in the game on Sunday against the Buffalo Bills, two weeks ago, I should say, against the Buffalo Bills. And Gasecki tries to run a pick. He gets off the line with a clean release and basically just falls. This guy is always on the ground. Watch the tape on Sundays. You'll see Gasecki number 86 on the ground three, four, five times in that game on his 20 to 25 reps. He's just got to get better. He's got to be more coordinated and stronger at the point of attack. And I think that's something that really has prohibited him from doing anything on offense for the Dolphins this year. And going back to Ryan Tannehill's point on the wheel route, the patented wheel route this team loves to throw, but doesn't do it very well. I've had several examples I put on Twitter on my GIF threads on Tuesdays, the film dump, whatever you want to call it, where Ryan Tannehill is a beat late throwing the wheel route, whether it's Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore out of the backfield. I don't think he trusts Gore because he just flat out won't throw it to Gore as Gore gets those easy rubs where the linebacker's behind. And if a linebacker's behind the running back who's running full speed and the linebacker has to chase, he's open. So throw it early. I put a video on my Twitter timeline on Thursday morning. You can look, check that out at Wingful NFL. And you can see where Tannehill just doesn't do it. And then there's another pass to Kenyon Drake later on in the same game where he throws it late, about three yards too late, which is a beat of a second. But it is late, and it costs Kenyon Drake a chance to make a play on that football. So Tannehill, got to get better at seeing those things evolve. If he's even, he's leaving. That's the message you want to have on those wheel routes. But at this point, that seems like it's probably a nitpick as no quarterback in the NFL has thrown more touchdown passes or has a higher touchdown or has a higher passer rating, I should say, than Ryan Tannehill since he returned from the shoulder injury three weeks ago. All right, we're going to pay some bills here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast and come back with a hefty sized mailbag of your Twitter questions. And we'll do that next here on the other side. The Friday Twitter mailbag coming up right on deck. And let's not waste any more time and just go ahead and jump right into this thing as you guys have loaded me up with tons of questions for this week's mailbag. 
And you guys know the drill by now. I put the call out on Twitter for your questions. You respond. You get a shout out here on the podcast and your question answer as well. Let's go ahead and start off with a longtime listener of the podcast and friend of the show, Corey Ashburn. He's at Corey13. With Xavier looking to be out again this week, who do you see? What do you see Burke trying to do as far as matchups? I think it's going to be strictly a zone game plan just because none of these guys really have the ability to go up against Thielen or Diggs and have a lot of success on a consistent basis. So I think it's going to be tons of zone coverage, a couple of brackets maybe, trying to find ways to mitigate those guys and let guys like Kyle Rudolph or Dalvin Cook have their way as far as one-on-one matchups against the linebackers. I know that sounds scary, but that might be the way you have to go in this game. Trying to find a way to prevent the big play and just keep the Vikings from scoring touchdowns, hold to a field goal game, the Dolphins will be all right. Next question here comes from William Olive, at WilliamOlive2 underscore. Who would you like to hire as defensive coordinator next year? I know this might be unpopular, but I've been talking about the 3-4 for a while now, and we know that Rob Ryan was close to the Dolphins all summer long. I think Rex Ryan would love to get back into coaching. He has the experience. He has the head coaching experience, too, where he can kind of handle the entire group of defenders when Adam Gaze takes over the offense and does his thing over there. So Rex Ryan, let's do it. Let's fly with him. I like Todd Bowles, too, though. Next question here comes from Alex Vickens at Alex Vicenzo. Any interest in Vance Joseph returning as defensive coordinator if fired by Denver? I didn't like him when he was here. I didn't think his defense was that good when he was here, his plans, his personnel usage. So no, I don't really want any part of Vance Joseph if he, if and when he is likely to be fired in Denver. Next question here comes from Dan B. Finfan at Dan B. Finfan on Twitter. Do you believe the reason the linebacker's success in the run game was due in part to running that 5-2 scheme versus the 3-4 scheme? 100% answered that in the first segment of the show, but I appreciate the question, Dan. Just go ahead and rewind back to the first segment if you skipped over it, and you'll get your answer on that part of the show. Next question here comes from A.A. Dominguez at Rotomus Bowtie. Bought a Miami Miracle shirt yet? Question mark. I haven't. I've seen ton of a ton of them, but I'm not sure which one I'd like to get. Maybe I'll put it on my Christmas list and get one of those for the holidays, but I have not yet, no. Next question comes from Tone Toto at Tone Lantern. With the salary cap going up about $20 million, how does that affect the Finns this offseason? I think they are going to be very active, especially if they continue to have success the rest of the way. If this team finds a way into the postseason, they're going to be big spenders because they're going to see themselves as kind of in that the tide sort of changing with the New England Patriots as Tom Brady and Bill Belichick get one more year older. If the Dolphins make a run at the playoffs, get 10 wins, maybe even win a game in the playoffs, I think they'll go crazy with all the freed up money they'll get from the guys that could cut this offseason. So I think that no matter what happens, they're going to spend. But if they make a run, they're going to spend big time. Next question here comes from Nick Robb at They Call Me Dragon. Outside of our 2018 Miami Dolphins, do you think any team has ever experienced the highest of highs and lowest of lows against the same team in a single season? Lost to the Patriots in Week 4, and then of course the Miami Miracle in Week 14. That's a really good question. And just off the top of my head, without doing any research, I can't really think of an example that would pertain to this case. Did the Patriots beat the Chiefs in the playoffs the year they got smoked by the Chiefs on Monday Night Football? If they did, that'd be a good one because the Patriots got rolled by like 30 points that night. Everyone thought Brady was done, Belichick was done, and then they came back and I think they went to the Super Bowl that year, but I'm not sure if they went through Kansas City. That might have been the Chiefs' really bad year, so maybe that didn't happen. So, no, I don't have an answer for that, unfortunately. I apologize, Nick. Next question here comes from Trent C. He is at T. Krager 24 Do you think both Rashad and McDonald will be back next year at safety, or do you see Minka moving up to one of those spots? Love the show, man. Keep up the work. Thank you, Trent. I appreciate that. I think that Minka, I still don't know where he's going to wind up. I think that there's been some complaints about him on the outside, but then again, he's at that rookie wall point where these guys, these rookies, they've been playing football basically nonstop the entire calendar year. 
from the national championship game all the way through the combine process, OTAs, mini camps, rookie camps, training camp. Minka may have hit a wall. I think he'll be better because there was a great story about him actually going back to the facility on Monday morning after he had what he said was his worst game of the year. The players had the day off. You guys all recall Andre Branch hooping and hollering for the Wednesday off in the postgame locker room with Adam Gase, which he obviously granted them. But Minka was back in the facility on Monday watching tape, getting things corrected. So I think that wherever he plays, he'll be fine. But I do think that his long-term future might be at safety. I'm not 100% confident in that, but I think that's where he'll go. I think one of Jones or McDonald will be gone. I think one of those guys has to go to make this defense work at a higher or a better efficiency rate. And I think they're going to try to approach the position in the offseason with a free agent, a safe, uh, the draft class. I'm not really sure. One of, those, one of those guys goes, Minka either moves back or plays corner, and they find another safety on the market because they need to have three safeties. Right now, that's Walt Aikens thing. It doesn't work out when he has to come onto the field. Next question comes from Austin Bullock at abullock17. Is it a locked-on guide to have a 30-minute episode or a personal choice? Hashtag we want more. Yeah, that, I, I appreciate that, Austin. I would love to do more for the show. Five shows a week is actually quite a bit of content to fill, especially in those June and July months. But yeah, we do have a restriction to keep it 20 to 30 minutes on the show because the average commute time for Americans on the way to work, whatever it is, is about 22 minutes, and that's the slot we want to fill. Although I know you have to return from work too, so 44 minutes might be applicable too. But yeah, it's a lockdown guide, 30-minute episodes in that range. Next question here comes from Sean Snoozer, at Sean Snoozer. Hard to tell Robert Quinn was a pro bowler from watching him this year, even though he has been improving. Do you think his best games are still to come, or is he pretty much playing at the level we should expect from now on? I think Robert Quinn's been fantastic against the run, and he's just gotten close on the pass rush. He's got to find a way to re-angle and get back on the inside, come up and under to get more sacks because he's not doing that and he often runs by the quarterback. So I think that he could have more production, but at the $12 million figure next year, I don't think he'll be back at that number unless they want to extend him and make it cheaper year by year. They could do that. But I think that as far as his production goes, this is probably what you're going to expect to see from Quinn the rest of the way this season at least. Next question here comes from Zach Johnson at Black Creek 656. Miami seemed to test Minka to shadow Josh Gordon last week. Did he pass or fail in your opinion? And a follow-up, do you think he gets that ask again this week in Minnesota? If so, who does he shadow? I think in the Patriots game, he definitely failed that test. He just has to get better at locating the football and getting his head around because everything else is good. He's a little bit grabby at the top of routes. We've seen him get flagged several times this year, but he did fail on Sunday. He knows that he's going to get it corrected. I don't think he'll shadow because I think they'll play a lot more zone coverage in this game. If he were, I'd probably go with Thielen. I think that's the best option because he's a little bit less athletic than Stephon Diggs. Next question here comes from Richard Monroe at Richard Monroe 1. Does Miami have the personnel to play 3-4 defense next year and should they? Yeah, Vincent Taylor makes a big difference there. I think Sylvester Williams and Ziggy Hood can even come back and help fill that role. I think Raekwon and Kiko are much better as 3-4 linebackers and 100% I think they should change that. Next question here comes from Steve Rucker at Rucker23. Steve, you're going to get me in trouble right here because I don't have a good answer for this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I've never seen Die Hard. I just don't like action movies that much. I, I'm, I, I don't apologize for it. That's just what I am. I prefer comedy, suspense. I like horror movies. I just think action with CGI, it doesn't... I want a good story, so I've never seen it. Christmas movie, best one of all time. Home Alone, no question. This next question here has already been asked, but I want to acknowledge Chris Ballard at The Jeweler talking about who would be the next DC to take over. I already answered that as Rex Ryan, but Chris, I appreciate your question, man. Next question here comes from Mark Wardlaw 
at Dr. Mark Wardlaw. Can you do a breakdown of the Finns' path to the playoffs, like all the different possibilities that can happen? I'm probably waiting until after the game on Sunday. I think things will become much more clear there. We're actually going to have a segment here at the end of the show talking about an amendment as far as who you should root for on Sunday. And we do have the rooting guide up on LockedOnDolphins.com, written by Skylar Trunk. But honestly, I'm not really sure because it's so muddied right now with the AFC North being kind of a jumbled mess. So I'll have more answers for you on that uh, next week and also on the end of the show too. Next question here comes from Melody Mackey. It's at AKA Manimal. Is there any one thing that will be a deciding factor in these last three games? I kind of feel the last three games could be trap games for Miami. This one I'm worried about because it's hard to get up after a game like that. The way that game ended, it's very difficult to match that type of intensity a second week in a row. So they know it's a one game at a season time right now for this team. Kenyon Drake mentioned it. They, this team is thinking 10-6 and six all the way, one win at a time. But the deciding factor for me is going to be staying healthy because they're not healthy right now and they just cannot afford any more injuries. Stay healthy. I think they'll beat Jacksonville and Buffalo. But this week in Minnesota is a huge, huge game. I think it's going to be very close. And really, in a lot of these games, it comes down to luck. So hopefully, they just get a little bit luckier than the Vikings. Next question here comes from John Lang Langjun. I think we went over this last week. At Jay Langjun, if you caught the game-winning ball in the stands, what would you do? Personally, I'd give it back to Kenyon Drake so I could shake his hand. Yeah, I'd give it back to him. I mean, I'm not... The ransom for like 250 grand is so stupid and so just shallow and, and really look at me, give me attention. I think that's stupid. Kenyon Drake obviously was caught up in the moment when he threw the football into the stands. But give the damn ball back to him. That's the best play he'll ever have in his professional life. And his professional life is his, it's his life. Football is his life. So give it back to him. And if he wants to give you tickets, great, accept it. If not, I wouldn't worry about it too much. All right, we're going to finish off this mailbag on the other side and make an amendment to the playoff chase segment from yesterday's show. And we'll do that next here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins. Hope you guys are ready to enjoy your weekend as the holiday season nears and the Dolphins face a huge test on Sunday in a game that could ultimately decide their playoff fate against the Minnesota Vikings. If you want to hear that preview piece, it's up right now on LockedOnDolphins.com or read that piece probably. If you want to hear the preview podcast, check out yesterday's show. Of course, this week has been crazy with great podcasts and great columns up on LockedOnDolphins.com. Celebrating that victory over the Patriots, but now we turn the page. Let's go ahead and jump back into the Twitter mailbag. We have a few questions left to get to here, and this one's pretty good. Danny Sanella at dsanella52 asks, Why haven't you named it that Lodcast? LOD cast. That kind of reminds me of when I call them the LOL fins, the LOL fins, however you pronounce that. So good play on words there, but really I don't have a good answer for you. Next question here comes from Big Tone at Big Tone and a bunch of numbers. 105 Is that your phone number? Probably should change that if it is. When are the Dolphins finally going to have guards in center that can create a pocket and pick up stunts? Um, they ran the ball really well on Sunday, so it's hard to argue with the way they did the, they handled things up front, but yeah, stunts have been an issue for a long, long time. And part of me thinks that's probably a teaching issue. So, I mean, it spans so many guards and centers at this point that it's probably not the players. It's probably the coaching staff. So maybe it's a teaching thing. I'm not really sure. Next question comes from Carlos Ortega at C Ortega 24. In your words, how disappointing has the tight end position been this year? Awful. 
And that's a position that Adam Gaze wants to have involved in the offense, at least the big body. And he's kind of replacing them with Devontae Parker and Bryce Butler now. But I think it's been just one of the worst position groups really across the, la- the landscape of the league. Nick O'Leary's a decent player. Mike Kosicki's been just not good. Durham Smythe took him a while to get going. He appears to be kind of coming into his own now in his rookie year. But it's been really, really bad. I think the word I'd use to describe it is just dreadful. In one word, dreadful. Next question comes from Frank F at FFiorno1. If you had one splash free agent to sign this offseason, what position would it be? Defensive end, linebacker, corner, or offensive line? Well, the cheapest of that group would probably be linebacker, but I think this team has to remake their defensive line. I think Frank Clark could be out there. He'd be my top target. So defensive end, for sure. They have to remake that group up front. Give me Frank Clark or maybe even Jadavian Clowney, even though he has the injury history there. Next question comes from Andrew Grant, at ASG underscore Grant. Do you see Gaze running more of the Bellage Wildcat since set since Tannehill run option sets will be limited? You know, Brandon Bolden kind of took over for Caleb Lodge last week, and they ran him a little bit less than they did the previous game. I think they're trying to get more two-back sets on the field, which I've been calling for all season long, so I hope we see more of that. But I think it'll be more Brandon Bolden than Caleb Lodge after what he did on Sunday. Got three more questions here. This one comes from Please Don't Let Me Down at Finns Mets Nets. Even though he gets bailed out half the time by other teams' missed field goal slash the Miami Miracle, when is Adam Gaze going to be held accountable for his terrible late-game decision-making, punting on fourth and four to Brady, the Colts debacle? You pretty much called it when he starts losing games. It's a results business, and that's how people are going to view it. That's how the media is going to view it, and that's probably how Steven Ross is going to view it. I don't like it. I think he has to get better in those senses. A couple of third and one bad calls the last two weeks as well, so I'm here for it. Winning masks all those things, though. Next question comes from Scott F. Kenward. At Scott F. Kenward, easy enough. What play should we be running more of and less of with our current personnel? Two back sets. 12 personnel, play action deep shots with two-man route combinations to Kenny Stills, the deep crosser. I love that play, so give me a lot more of that. Less of, I will say, any running play when they get behind the chains, like a second and 20 running play, just get rid of all that nonsense. Try to pick up half the yardage and try to get a first down on third down rather than trying to play a field position once you have a holding call or whatever it is that pushes you backwards. All right, last question here from SoFlo at TLMock04. Who's getting more of Minka's attention if Howard doesn't play Sunday, Thielen or Diggs? I did answer that question earlier. I think it will be I think it'll be Stefan Diggs, although I think they'll play more zone coverage in this game than they have previously. If you recall yesterday's preview podcast, I think it was yesterday's podcast, talking about the teams we have to root for on Sunday. And once again, here on the Locked On Dolphins podcast, check out LockedOnDolphins.com. The Week 15 rooting guide is up on there right now. But I talked about the Patriots needing to beat the Steelers to knock them back. But if the Ravens jump ahead of the Steelers and the Steelers fall behind, who cannot tie us, that creates the opportunity for it to be the Colts alone or the Colts and Titans that tie the Dolphins at 9-7, and seven, which if either of those two things happened, the Dolphins would not qualify because the Colts will finish higher in the division and the Titans, that'll put the Colts at second, which means it then becomes a head-to-head tiebreaker against the Dolphins and the Miami Dolphins would lose that tiebreaker. So I think we want the Steelers to beat the Patriots. And then from there, if Miami beats the Vikings, you just need one slip-up from the Patriots over the Bills or Jets. I know it's unlikely if Miami runs the table in 10-6. and six. If the Patriots lost one of those games, they'd fall to 4-2 and two in the AFC East. The Dolphins at 10-6 and six would be 5-1. and one. You'd be division champions. So I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to amend yesterday's thing and say we're going to root for the Steelers to take down the Patriots. And that's how we'll end this podcast. Down with the Patriots. Fins up. 
But as for this podcast, that's going to be my time. You guys, as always, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Check out the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and keep up to date on our Daily Dolphins blog over at LockedOnDolphins.com. You guys have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you again on Sunday for a recap edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast, your daily dose for Miami Dolphins football. To the sound of a heartbeat pounding away.